Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. All right, good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Hoosier Huddle Podcast. Happy New Year. I'm Sammy Jacobs. Along with me is TJ Inman, and we're here to talk all things IU football. A lot of things have happened uh, since we last discussed, and uh, we'll get to your your mailbag. So we're going to start off with the mailbag. Uh, First of all, thanks for everybody for sending these questions in. I will go from, you know, the first question uh, down to the last question. We'll try to answer them as best as possible. Also, if you need clarification or have other questions, please put them in the chat uh, and and we'll answer them to the best of our ability. We'll be here, try to keep it to an hour under, uh, and then everybody could get on with the rest of their lives. But uh, TJ, welcome in. Happy New Year. How are you doing? Yeah, Happy New Year, everybody. Um, Definitely excited to talk about the uh, major changes that have occurred uh, with the IU football roster since the last time we talked. We knew this was coming. Um, Not a surprise to see defections and additions, Um, but I I think uh, so far, I think the portal window has gone... um, better than even my optimistic expectations were. Uh, I, I think that there's a lot of things to be excited about. We've seen Kurt Signetti said in the portal, he wanted proven production. And that's exactly what his staff has gone out and focused on getting. Um, so, I, you know, excited to talk about it. I think we got some really good questions that have come in. Uh, hopefully some more come in uh, during the show. We'll get those answered as well, but let's get rolling. Yeah, let's go over the first question. You mentioned it, the transfer portal. Um, this one is from Howard S. on Twitter. Did the transfer portal help or hurt us? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think the answer is pretty clear here. Yes, uh, I, I think it helped IU. Yeah, IU oh, lost yeah. a lot of uh, productive players that you know uh, landed at Power 5 schools or, you know, guys who could have been key pieces. But you look at what's coming in, you get Curtis Rourke, who is the 2022 MAC Offensive Player of the Year quarterback. You get a couple ACC running backs. You get some speed uh, at the receiver position. You bring in Elijah Surratt 
uh, yesterday at that receiver position as well. Uh, you got defensive help uh, and, and things like that. So right now I think if the 247 um, ranking transfer portal rankings are correct, I use class as of last night was sitting at fourth in the country. Not fourth in the Big Ten, fourth in the country. Uh, and so I think it has helped more than it's hurt. Now, um, will they miss some players like a Zach Carpenter or Matt Bedford? Maybe, probably. Um, will they miss uh, a Jalen Lucas if he decides to go elsewhere, which it looks like it's happening? Uh, probably. But you're also bringing in a lot of good pieces who, who could replace those guys. Uh, what are your thoughts on that one, TJ? I think it's a definite uh, help when you you look at it as kind of a balance sheet. You've got your subtractions and your additions. Um, and I think the additions that IU has brought in um, have far outweighed the subtractions. Now, um, I, I do think that one thing that we don't know is which guys do we view as subtractions from last year's roster are now guys that this current coaching staff has decided, yeah, that's not a subtraction. We, we don't want that guy on our roster um, for attitude reasons, talent reasons, whatever the case. Um, we don't know that. And we're not going to drag anybody through the mud, you know, even if we did. Um, so just because a guy has left doesn't mean it's necessarily something that Kurt Signetti's staff views as a subtraction, right? Um, you look at the additions, and I would say that even if Carter Smith, Donovan McCauley, and Trent Howland uh, had entered the portal, stayed in the portal, and gone somewhere else, even if those guys had, I would still view it as an overall uh, upgrade on the roster. The fact that you brought back those key pieces, in addition to bringing in all the new guys that they have, which we'll get into talking about here shortly, uh, I think it's a clear help um, overall. That doesn't mean there's not still some, you know, some spots on the roster that need uh, need some attention and and have some concern for us, but. Overall, I think you have to say that going into 2024, uh, the roster is in a much better shape than it was at the end of 2023. Yeah, and there's still work to be done on the roster, and it, it looks like they're continuing to add people. They just added Jaden McDonald, who's a linebacker out of Troy, yeah. uh, originally went to Iowa and transferred out. So uh, <clears throat> they're still adding pieces, and I know there's a numbers question and all that stuff, but those tend – those things tend to work themselves out. Um, and, and I'm, I think you'll see uh, a weeding out process. Maybe somebody doesn't like his coach, Kirk Signetti's coaching style. Maybe they just don't fit the schemes that they're running and stuff like that. Um, you'll see people who get buried on the depth chart, try and uh, go someplace else for an opportunity. Uh, let's get to other questions. This one comes from Jamie Jordan. Um so thank you, Jamie, for, for sending them in. And we'll we'll hit all three of his questions. The first one is, which, which uh, what are the position groups you're most happy with and which are, are uh, most concerning going into spring ball? Yeah. Uh, okay, so I'll start with the most happy with. Um, 
now he he gave us an out here because he said groups so we're allowed to say multiple things uh wide receiver i think is has to be one that you're very happy with uh this is the deepest indiana wide receiver room that i can remember um and it's not just guys that you're hoping can turn into players you know because well they've got some talent or he's got a good size or whatever this is proven fbs and then in some cases power conference production that is both returning to indiana and ej williams and donovan mccauley uh, and is arriving at indiana uh, and it was just further strengthened by the addition of uh elijah surratt which um yeah it it becomes a question of man how are they going to get all these guys you know targets uh and that's a good problem to have um so wide receiver i'm happy with quarterback uh curtis rourke I think is a perfect bridge quarterback to the younger guys that you have on the roster. Taven Jackson, uh, Tyler Cherry, Brock Lowry, Alberto Mendoza. Um, I, I think it's a very good group of Taven Jackson has some experience, uh, but still a lot of untapped potential to be developed by this new coaching staff. And then Curtis Rourke, ton of experience. And I think he feels uh, and the coaching staff feels like, you know, a very good fit for this system. Um, I'm pretty happy with running back. I don't know if there's any like top end talent at the position, but I think that this coaching staff has gotten some guys that they trust into the room. Uh, you bring back Trent Hallen, which um, I'm pleased with. I, I, I really like big, big physical running backs, which it seems like he had finally tapped into that side of his game. Uh and then one that I think will get overlooked, I'm happy with punter. Um, you know, bringing back James Evans, proven weapon uh, as a punter. Um, most concerned with, for me, I, I, I go on the defensive side of the ball, the defensive line, particularly uh, depth at that position. You know, I, right now you're an injury or two away from feeling really shaky. Uh, with that group and then safety uh, same thing uh, I, I think you need uh, you need a bit more depth now was that my timing is getting yesterday. mixed up was it last night or yeah uh, you know you bring in two safeties from old dominion uh, both you know very experienced proven production again there's that theme that helps quite a bit but uh, that's a group that um, it, yeah, I, I think you could use another, another body, uh, there that, that can give you some snaps. Yeah. Uh, the, the, to go back to what I'm most pleased about in the transfer portal is, uh, definitely the wide receiver room as well. You bring in some speed, which you needed, um, yeah. in the Texas Tech transfer with miles price and, uh, the guy from Wake Forest, uh, Keyshawn Williams. Yep. So you, you add some speed there. Uh, Price is very good at kickoffs as well. And, right. you know, he kind of maybe upgraded on Jalen Lucas uh, instead of a guy who could just return kicks. You have a guy who you could throw in the slot. Uh, to me, 
you know, if anybody watched the Under the Hood with Rhett, Rhett Lewis, it, it sounds like Indiana will be running out of 10 personnel, <laughs> which means that they'll have two slot receivers on the field. Right. Um, so, you know, you will be playing with, you know, three or four wide receivers on the field. Usually at all times, you should get enough targets uh, for all of these guys. Uh, to me, the most concerning um most concerning is the defensive line. It's depth in the middle of defensive tackle. Yes, you right. bring back Philip Bleedy, uh, and you get James Carpenter, who's a nice piece. Um, Burris. Burris is back and stuff like that. But if you could get another body or two who could play and, and be your second or third guy off the bench at that position and be productive, um, that could take your defensive line to the next level. Uh, safety we'll see and this to me is where i'm intrigued by spring ball is are there going to be position changes um you know you've seen in the past where's amari amari farrell going to play is he going to stay at safety are they going to move him up to linebacker Uh, a guy like cooper jones who's uh you know was a highly rated recruit on the defensive line got switched last year to the offensive line that they put him back on defense and stuff like that so again there's a lot of bodies and a lot of players going into spring ball and um that that's what i'm intrigued about jamie second question um it's a two-parter who's your favorite high school commit and i Mm -hmm. believe you know he should have made a caveat of not tyler cherry uh because i believe that's going to be our our answer and then who's your favorite transfer yeah so (laughs) My my favorite high school commit will not be a surprise for anybody um, in the Hoosier Huddle group chat. Quentin Clark, uh, linebacker from Georgia, uh, I I really like the sideline to sideline ability that he showed on his highlight film. Um, athletic linebacker played a good quality of competition in Georgia, uh, produced doing so. And I, I feel like he has the ideal traits that you look for in a linebacker. Um, the name that, that he reminds me of, and this is not a fair comparison because, you know, it puts unfair expectations on a, a high school player that hasn't proven anything in college, but this is what we do for, you know, comparisons are part of the game. Um, Cam Jones, I think he, he could turn into a player with good development, um, and, and staying healthy could turn into a player like Cam Jones on the defense. Um, and I, I do think given what IU brings back a linebacker, I think there's a chance Cam Jones plays relatively early in his career. I mean, Quentin, Quentin Clark, sorry, Quentin Clark. Yes. And Cam Jones did play easy. Yeah. So yeah, uh, Quentin Clark. Hopefully, people mess him up and say, "Oh, that's right." That just reminded me of Cam Jones. Yeah, he won't um, have quite as cool of a nickname as as C four did, but yeah, what can you do? Yeah, uh, and who's your favorite uh, transfer portal guy? Uh, transfer portal guy, Curtis Rourke is the obvious answer. Uh, one, he came on the podcast uh, with you, so he gets. I don't know, a hundred bonus points for that. It's the points don't matter, but he gets a hundred of them. Um, and he's quarterback. So obviously really important. Um, but 
the one name, as soon as I you hired Kurt Signetti, the first guy that I looked up, and because I'd, I'd seen him play some, and the first guy that I looked up and was hoping that Indiana would eventually be able to land Elijah Surratt. Uh, is my my favorite um, favorite transfer. I, I really like the way that he plays at wide receiver, catches everything that's thrown in his direction, runs really good routes. He's not you know blazingly fast, uh, but he can get the job done on the outside or in the slot. Versatile receiver that is going to know this system, uh, and I think you pair him with you know Miles Price, EJ Williams, Donovan McCauley. Miles Cross, Keyshawn Williams, Omar Cooper, you know, uh, any combination of those guys out there, it's going to be a handful for defenses. So I'm going to go with Surratt. Uh, it's my favorite transfer as I set aside the quarterback. Yeah, I'm going to go with the the two quarterbacks, and it might bleed into uh, Jamie's third question, which is who's the most important yeah. um, on, on each of those uh, let's start with the high school commit. I think Tyler Cherry, not only is he the highest rated commit in the class, you're in mm-hmm. state and you're building a foundation for the future. Yep. He has a, a rocket arm. Um, you know, he'll need some development and, and this is where the transfer Curtis Rourke comes in. <laughs> yep. Indiana, the last couple of years needed that veteran quarterback to come in and stabilize that room and just give them a chance offensively. Um, they tried to do it with Connor Basilak. It wasn't a great fit. It didn't really work. Right. Last year, you you go into the year with uh, two redshirt freshmen and Taven and um, Brandon Soresby, who had very little to no experience um, at quarterback. Now you're bringing in a guy who has played a ton of football, a ton of good football, um, and, and has won some games against power five teams at that group of five level who can be that. And you talked about it, be that bridge to either Taven Jackson in 2025. And, you know, if Tyler Cherry develops quickly, maybe a Tyler Cherry in 2025. But I think if, if, you're an Indiana fan and you're looking at a reasonable target date for a Tyler Cherry, you know, breakout season, 2026, you know, redshirt sophomore, you've been in the program a couple of years right. um, and, and things like that. So to me, those, those are my favorite, but they're also, I think um, the most important uh, piece of that. Yeah. And not, not only, the importance of Tyler Cherry as a player, uh, but a very publicly known player in the state of Indiana, uh, four-star quarterback at a very successful program, Center Grove. Um, the previous staff never really gained traction with him. And, you know, IU gets a little fortunate in that Mike Elko leaves Duke, opens the door for Tyler Cherry to look elsewhere. And, right away he clicks and sees the potential of Kurt Signetti, Mike Shanahan, Tino Sinceri, and they're able to get him to not flip, like see it decommitted, but to, you know, to to essentially uh, change from Duke to Indiana, beating out conference foe Michigan State. Um, 
you know, yeah. for that. Commitment. He's also so an just, IU legacy. I believe his dad yeah. Um, yeah. played football. His grandfather played football. It was on the Packers, I believe. And yep. then his uncle um, played baseball. I have to go into the family history a little deeper, but yeah. there is a lot of cherry family history at IU. Um, just from a perception standpoint, that, that was a big get. Yeah. That, that was plus, you know, how many NIL opportunities you're going to have with cherry bomb t-shirts or right. sweatshirts yep. or on 4th of July, we're going to have hopefully not him setting off fireworks, but the Tyler cherry, cherry bomb. Um, so, you know, Hoosiers for good Hoosiers connect. It's just email me. I'll send you my ideas. Um, and, and you can put the check in the mail. So next, uh, next question. Well, I'm going to yeah. throw my most important in here quickly. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I, I think Tyler Cherry is the answer. However, Evan Lawrence, I believe, is a future starting left tackle. Um, I think he has the athleticism and the size that, that you look for as traits to develop. Um, so, you know, you look long-term roster construction, which is very hard to do. Uh, right now in the transfer portal era, yep. but uh, after Carter Smith, ideally you're looking at Carter Smith turning into a, you know, NFL caliber left tackle. And I, I can see Evan Lawrence being that next guy. That's a position that's really hard to get out of the transfer portal. Uh, it's why it was such a huge deal to get Carter Smith back. Um, those guys are not cheap if they're any good at all. And, to be able to, to keep Evan Lawrence committed. Um, you know, he got a big, uh, big bump up in, in his recruit rating, which doesn't necessarily mean anything, but I think that recruiting analysts see the same thing that, that the IU coaches did. That's a guy with a lot of tools that you can mold into a really good offensive lineman. Um, so that, that was an important one for me, just because of what I think it could become in the future. Uh, and that's a very valuable position to have. Yeah. Speaking of the future, TJ, uh, Bronson Hayes, thank you for the question. Um, no, it's early, but what are you looking for with the class of 2025 winter and spring visitors? Hmm. Um, and I, I really haven't looked at the 2025 class yet, but I could tell you what, if I was coaching, what I would look for in terms of needs you're going to have to you're going to have a lot of turnover again. You bring in a lot of seniors yep. and a lot of veteran players from the transfer portal. So you want to build your high school class and start balancing out the roster a little bit. Now it's tricky cuz the transfer portal and things like that, but you want it to um you want it to be balanced where you're not bringing in a million transfers every single year and that you're using transfers to plug holes. So to me, you're looking for guys who have speed, big 10 speed um, and, and big 10 size and things like that. So it, it's more of, Hey, this is the type of guy than the actual guy we're looking at. Yep. Yeah. yeah I, I just in generalities, any one specific recruit, I, I don't have a clue at this stage, but, uh, in generalities, I, I hope you're bringing in visitors that are being pursued by high-end programs. Doesn't mean you're going to get all of them uh, or even very many of them. But to to be able to get those guys on campus, ones that are wanted by high-end programs that you're competing against, uh, I think that's a big deal. And then you mentioned it, you know, speed. 
um, being able to get team speed at those positions like wide receiver, defensive back, linebacker, uh, and then be able to, to bring in some impact defensive linemen. Um, that's something that is difficult to define. Um, it, you know, they're, they're hard to get, uh, yep. it's, but they're really important, particularly pass rushers, find some guys that have either already proven to be impactful pass rushers, or that you have the tools to develop into impactful pass rushers. Uh, that's what I'd be looking for. And not just this coming class, but every, uh, you know, every class is you're looking for those lineman positions and team speed. Yeah. Uh, TJ, let's get to some, some comment questions. And I, I think we know the answer here on a scale of one to 10. What's our current excitement level for the roster where it currently stands? Uh, assuming that 10 is like, you're so excited. You're going to, I don't know, book tickets for the, college football playoff or something. Um, I'm going to say like a, a eight. Um, it, you know, we mentioned some of the areas of concern. If, if there were no concerns, I'd have it at a 10. Um, but, you know, for the roster, like an eight. For the program, a 10. I'm, you know, as fired up about Indiana football as I've, as I can remember being, uh, and that's a credit to, you know, Kurt Signetti and uh, and his coaching staff. Yeah, I'd say I'm I'm right around there, you know, seven and a half, eight. There's still roster pieces that need to put together. Right. Um, not saying that if I'm at a 10 that they're going to go to the college football playoff. But, um, you know, I, I'm at the point where it's, hey, let's maybe not make holiday travel plans next year. Yeah. Um, yeah. We'll or, get into expert. Maybe now's a, a good, good time to tackle that expectations question. Yeah. Um, there are a couple of them. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, the first one came from uh, Hoosier man, uh, realistic expectations for uh, Sig and company through the first seven games. Also, he asked uh, if it's cam camels, marble, marbaros or, uh, or new parts. We do not endorse smoking. Uh, so we will go with uh, your favorite candy cigarette brand, um, which I don't even know if they make them anymore. Um, so, yeah, so we, we don't endorse seven games. First seven games, who, okay. yeah, which is not that'd be through Nebraska, October nineteenth yeah. against Nebraska. Okay, all right, so that's FIU, Western Illinois. At UCLA, Charlotte, Maryland, at Northwestern, and Nebraska. Um, so, you know, we'll break that down into non-conference. The expectation is three and zero. Those those three non-conference teams will, of course, have our opponent previews and all that. Um, and hey, one off season can change a whole lot of things. IU is hoping to be, you know, Exhibit A uh, for that, but. What we know is that those three teams went four and eight, oh and eleven. Western Illinois was one of the worst teams in the country. Period. They were truly dreadful. Uh, and then three and nine—that's a combined seven and twenty-eight in two thousand and twenty-three. In other words, perfect non-conference schedule for Indiana. Yep. Really. 
three home games against opponents that you should be able to handle. Perfect. So three and oh, and then your, your big 10 opponents during that time at UCLA, Maryland at Northwestern and Nebraska. Um, I think that the hope for that stretch is two and two. Um, I, yeah. I don't know if I would expect that that's always tricky. Um, but I would hope to be able to beat Maryland at home. Um, Maryland, just like everybody else roster in transition, don't know what they're going to look like yet. We do know Talia Tagovailoa will not be their quarterback. Um, so, you know, there's that, uh, Northwestern technically a road game appears. It's going to be on, on a neutral field. Not sure where yet, but that's I haven't haven't confirmed that it won't be at Ryan Field either. But okay. that's the that's the 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 rumor I have from people in Chicago is that the Ryan Field renovations are going to start. Nothing's been announced. I thought they had put it on hold, but either way, it's Northwestern. If IU's good, a lot of IU fans will show up at at Ryan Field. Um, it's not a huge home field advantage for Northwestern. It's, I mean, it, it's kind of a sleepy, it's the opposite of a home field advantage, home field advantage. It's yeah. they'll lull you to sleep and then kick your butt. Um, but yeah, Northwestern's coming off a, a magical season where they won eight games. And, you know, if you remember TJ, they were underdog to UTEP at home in September and they went on to beat uh, Utah in the, the Vegas bowl, but we'll see. They lose, I believe they lose their quarterback too. And yes. Ben Bryant and, and we'll see if they can recapture that magic, but that should be one of those toss up games that, yeah. you know, Indiana has not had luck with over the last couple of years, but with the upgrade in the coaching staff, maybe, maybe they get that one. Right. Yeah, and uh, Nebraska at home, who knows, honestly. Um, I mean, I think a lot of that would depend on how IU does during those first six games. If you're sitting there at at five and one or four and two uh, going into that game, you're going to have a a big crowd um, and a loud crowd and people will be fired up. If you're only by week. Yeah, it's coming off a bye week. It probably knowing IU and how they schedule, that's probably the homecoming game. Yeah. It's usually that week. So it'll be homecoming. Um, Now Nebraska travels well too, and we'll see what their roster looks like. If you could get out of that with four wins, if you go, go four and three, I think you feel okay. Right. If you go five and two, you feel great. If you're yep. sitting at six and one, you're over the moon. You're building uh, statues. Yes. Yep. Yep. So uh, expectation, I, I think you would set the baseline at four and three after seven games. And anything less than that, you'd feel disappointed. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then... I mean, for the for the season, uh, it's what is a from William Fulmer. Yep. It's what is a reasonable expectation for next season, uh, right? Yeah, and we're, record. we're we're not in the business of telling people what to think. I mean, if you want to get your hopes, you know, super high, go for it. Uh, you know, nothing wrong with that. But 
a if if we're couching it with realistic um, and and expectation, not just like hope. Uh, for me, it's a bowl game. Um, I I think that that is um, it, it would be an accomplishment to reach a bowl game after what you went through the previous couple of seasons. Yeah, um, it, arguably be the best start to a head coach's tenure at IU in yeah. in its history for football. I think given what we currently know about the roster, which again, is going to change, but given what we currently know about the roster and what we know about the schedule, which is not easy, but it's not brutal either, at least right now on paper, all these teams are going to change. Um, but given what we know, I think that a six and six regular season is a reasonable expectation and hope um for for 2024 and it it would really give you you know something to build on yeah i go with that six and six especially if you could get those wins early uh the back end of that schedule since we didn't get to talk about it really the back end is uh washington at home at michigan state michigan at home at Ohio State and Purdue at home. So no matter what, IU is is guaranteed to host the defending national champion from yeah. 2024, although it could be vacated, but I don't think it will be vacated by next year Not if Michigan quick. wins. Um, yeah. I'd be shocked if it's vacated that quickly. But every team is going to look different um, yeah. from from this point on, <laughs> and it's it's gotten increasingly more difficult to you know preview what it's going to look like in August um and football season before spring practice so i think yeah reasonable expectation is six and six um am i gonna be terribly upset if they go five and seven no am i gonna be upset if they go four and eight it it might be a little bit worrying if you start trending in that direction um but That, that depends on what it looks like right you know yeah um that's a couple I mean, of heartbreaking it's... close losses that that's going to be different than being non-competitive yeah, against Maryland and Northwestern. And, and yeah, it, that's, I, I think that with all the positive momentum and goodwill that you have right now, the big need is getting off to a fast start. Yep. That's, you gotta, you gotta yeah. get off to a fast start because and we've seen it, and I know IU fans are kind of mad at me over what I wrote the last couple of days, uh, which <laughs> is fine. Everybody's entitled to their opinion um, and things like that. But, you know, when if they don't win early, the goodwill goes away very quickly. And we mm-hmm. saw that with Tom Allen. And we, yeah. we've seen that with other coaches, including Kevin Wilson um, and, and things like that. And that was more of a – they had more patience with Wilson, I, I think, or people just weren't on Twitter as much. But you saw it in 2014 and early in 2015 when they were down to, you know, four and six or whatever and almost losing to Southern Illinois. Uh, people will turn on you quickly. Uh, so, yeah, getting off to a fast start. But, yes, a, a postseason birth. Um, and, and we don't know what bowl season is going to look like next year either. Um with the 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 twelve team playoff and and stuff like that, you assume with the ratings that the bowls have done that the bowls are not going anywhere, uh, right. but we'll see. So you know the hope is, hey, get to the postseason, 
um, you know, break that bowl losing streak and, and start, you know, that's how you build the program. That's another building block um, yeah. to do that. And I, I think, um, you know, I think IU has figured it out that it's, it's not a single game, a single win, or even a single season that makes or, you know, breaks the program, but you've got to start stacking things and stacking good days and good months and building off of them that momentum if you go six and six and win a bowl game that's just another building block in that foundation uh to move forward so let's get on to uh some of the i don't want to call them less serious questions but more fun questions tj um uh from sig and company is it possible that the bison makes an appearance in 2024. Yes, it's possible. It is not likely. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I personally would love for the bison uh, in some form to become a part of the branding of the football program. I think it'd be really cool. There's a lot of really fun things you could do with it. We've seen user generated stuff. AI generated stuff that, that is it's fun. Um, you know, I mean, how cool would it be? And this, this is not happening, but how cool would it be to have a large bison, you know, charging out with the team um, at a Memorial stadium tunnel. That would be really fun. It'd be cool. Uh, is it riffing on Colorado and would I, you get made fun of for it? Sure. Does it matter? No. Uh, it, it would be, a lot of fun or, or some type of appearance on an alternative uniform again not going to happen but it'd be fun uh but what i do think is possible to see is that some social media stuff uh you know maybe iu uses the bison on some social media stuff i think that's very possible uh if i were setting odds on anything more than that it'd be like plus five thousand or something it's i i don't I, I don't see any radical moves like that by IU's athletic department, but. Is IU going to roll out a giant toaster and have uh, a bison jump out of it? Probably not. That's not going to happen. However, okay. um, and this is going to make Huparazzi really mad in the comments section. IU needs a mascot. And I think the bison's the perfect mascot. And not only, yeah, it's silly, it might be silly to adults, but guess what? You have kid fans too, and kids go wild over the mascot. They they want the stuffed animal, they want the shirt with the bison on it, they want pictures with it. Um, you know, th there are not many teams without a mascot. I, I guess Michigan, Michigan doesn't have one, but whatever. Um, you know, they're Michigan. Uh yeah. But it's just another marketing tool where you could, in a time when you need to generate revenue, <laughs> generate revenue and drive up excitement and get people fired up. Um, yeah. Did they incorporate it into the intro video? I hope so. Those videos were really awesome um, during the Kevin Wilson era. Should they put it on a T-shirt? Yes. Um, if they do it correctly with a furry mascot, not a live mascot, Right. Um, it could, it could work really well. Now, if it's like the old sixties mascot where it's kind of creepy looking, but everything in the sixties was kind of creepy looking, um, yeah, pass, but 
I, I think that the opportunities here, even the coaches were putting it out. The opportunity here is, hey, we can make this a thing. Let's let's bring it back. Yeah, yeah get a giant Muppet bison out there. Yeah. Speaking of revenue streams, though, there was a question about a naming rights deal for Memorial Stadium. Um, I don't know if I spoke this into existence. Um, because I've been saying this for a, a couple of years now. Yes, uh, you have. They're not going to rename Memorial Stadium. I, I just no. don't think you could do that. But you could rename the field. Yeah. Um, since it is a a, a War Memorial Stadium, I, I just there there's you you gotta honor honor history and things like that. Um, but the field. You, you could definitely sell the naming rights of the field and whatever you could get for it is just another, it's like icing on the cake. It's bonus money um, yep. and stuff like that. It was the, the same type of stuff when they rolled out the, the suites this year. If you can make a quarter million or something a year on that, that goes, that's money. It's found money. You didn't have now, right. who will do it? Will it be Mellencamp Field at Memorial Stadium? Do they honor Bill Mallory and make it Mallory Field at Memorial Stadium? Cook, um, cook you know, something like that, or, yeah. you know, whatever. Um, you know, Purdue Stadium, it's Bob Rorman Field or Rorman Field. Uh, even Ohio State, it's like Safe Flight Field at Ohio Stadium. Everybody does this. Um you know, so it, it's it's another opportunity to increase revenue. Do I think it's coming down the pipeline? I'm not a hundred percent sure. Uh, I I really haven't heard anything official on it, but it is something that needs to, I think, be explored, especially uh, the way college athletics and college football is is going. Um, and more on the revenue. There's another question. When do you think Scott Dolson will announce a Memorial Stadium project? Uh, well, um, I don't have any inside information on this, but um, just based on rumor that and, and buzz that was talked about even prior to Tom Allen being fired. Um, I mean, we, we kind of think that there might be plans uh, discussed in place, whatever. Um, I, I guess the timeline that I will guess at is that something is announced prior or during the 2024 season and at work on whatever that's going to be begins right after the last home game of 2024, which would be November 30th uh, with the hosting of the bucket game. Um, that would be just a speculation guess uh, on a rough timeline for whatever projects it is that they're going to do. Um whether that's, you know, upgrade press box, concourses, um, restrooms, whatever. Um, I, I think that anything occurring actual project-wise for the 2024 season is not going to happen. Uh, but you might see something announced, you know, to just continue that positive momentum about building the program. I'm being serious about the program 
uh, and then work beginning after the season ends, maybe. Yeah, there have been rumors for a couple seasons now that yeah, their their plans there might be plans. They're waiting for a coaching change. I think with the, um, you know, with with the momentum of of the program right now, um, and it used to be that they would announce all these upgrades in August, uh, and the AD would talk to the media, and uh, they they would go over all this stuff. Nothing's right. going to happen like 2024. You're not going to see a new press box. And it'll probably, like you said, if any projects are going to be started or announced, it'll be after the season. Uh, but I do think, you know, if you want to continue the the ride on momentum, show people a vision. Um, and I don't know what steps they are at in, you know, bidding for construction, if there is bids going out and stuff like that, if they're looking at plans and things like that. But once a plan gets finalized, if there is a plan, uh, I, I would pitch every single part of that vision. Hey, here are the blueprints. Here are the mock-ups. This is who we're going with. This is who we're, it's what it's going to look like, uh, you know, here's the timeline of construction and things like that. Uh, and I think that would, that would fire up the fan base as well. But yeah, right now I, I don't think anything's I'll believe, I'll believe it when it happens. Right. Um, just like, you know, Tom Allen, the change from Tom Allen, I'll believe it when it happens. Um, so I, I will believe uh, that changes are coming uh, when they are announced. I have not heard anything otherwise other than that, you know, in some back hallway, somebody's saying something about projects. Yep. Um, as we move back to the kind of the field, if you will, uh, somebody, and you can give whoever this is credit, uh, overall, will the offensive line improve versus 2023? Um, so we can't project injuries. So you know, with that part of it's an unknown, obviously, but uh, let's compare 2023 to what we expect 2024's line to be. Carter Smith at left tackle. You would expect an improved version of Carter Smith in 2024. Another year working with Bob Bostad, another year of physical development, another year of experience. You'd expect an improvement. Uh, Mike Kadick, again, Another year of experience, another year of working with Bob Bostad. He's back as well. So that's two starters that you would expect would improve their level of play at least a little bit from year to year. Um, after that, you're comparing the whoever's going to be starting to uh, what you had in Zach Carpenter, Matt Bedford, and Khalil Benson. Um, are you upgrading on those three guys? Uh, I think that at center, it kind of seems like that's going to be Mike Kadick. Um, might not be the case. It might be Tyler Stevens at center. Um, or maybe Bray Lynch steps up and beats those guys out. Who knows? Um, but you, know, you, you are going to have a different center. Zach Carpenter gone. And then the right side of your line is going to be different. Um, I think Trey Wedig. Uh, is going to start and Nick Kidwell, if he is healthy, is going to start. So 
how do those guys compare to Bedford, Benson, and Carpenter? We'd be, I would be lying to you if I told you that I could adequately compare them. Um, I think that I will just take the average and say that Wedig is an upgrade. Um, Stevens and Kidwell, maybe a, a minor downgrade to a, a wash on those guys. I just don't have a way of knowing, but. But they um, could be upgrades over. They could be. Depth depth guys too like josh sales exactly you'd probably that's take, the big difference yeah you'll probably take tyler stevens who could play all over the offensive line uh at guard and tackle and he did that for jmu this year he is probably an upgrade over a backup tackle that you had last year so you not only improve some of the starters you improved the depth as well austin barrett who they they really think highly of um Bray lynch will be another year older um, Max Longman is hopefully healthy. Yep. Max Longman, another versatile piece uh, that you you could play. You know, uh, either of the guard positions. Ideally, it's probably where he would slot in. Um, so I, I think you have a, uh, a a deeper line, and I I think on the whole, another off season of development under uh, under Bob Bostad. Plus, an offensive system with coaches that I, quite frankly, trust more than the previous offensive staff to maximize what this offensive line can do well. Um, so I would say it, it would be an improved offensive line just based on the coaching staff being able to maximize the strengths that the offensive line is going to have. Now, one question that's not going to be able to be answered until they're on the field, how do they mesh as a unit um, mm. when you're going to be playing possibly, you know, three new offensive linemen to your program in Wedding, Stevens, and Kidwell? Um, yeah, how, how do those guys all mesh together with the remaining pieces that you have? Because the offensive line, it's not just – one guy, there's my guy that I'm blocking, and that's all I have to worry about. You know, you're working as a unit, um, and the blocking concepts are going to be different. The offensive yeah. concepts are going to be different. How does everybody understand that and mesh together? And we're not going to know until uh, until they're you know firing live bullets against uh, opposition. So, yeah, and that's I also think we talk about the non-conference scheduling. Usually, you know, we've talked a lot about scheduling three wins. But if you could get up big on these guys, that's how you develop depth is you yeah. could go put some of these second and third teamers in and get them to gel together, get them experience in a college game and and things like that. So, you know, games against FIU, Western Illinois and Charlotte, yeah. uh, you should out talent all of these teams to where you could give reps to those guys to build depth, which I thought the previous staff did a lackluster job at. Um, and, and you saw it kind of bite them, really bite them in the rear end um, later in their tenure when, you know, you're, you're running out there guys who haven't played before and, and things like that, just to preserve a red shirt um, or something like that. So it's, you know, that, that meshing, we'll see what happens in spring practice, but yeah, up until that FIU game on August 31st, uh, that, then you'll see, you know, when the bullets start flying, um, yep. who, who's ready to go. Yep. Um, 
the last one that I, there might've been two that I was still aware of, uh, remaining positions of need kind of, uh, you know, in the portal um, with, it says future portal windows, but we can lump in, you know, the current one as well. Uh, and then the remaining outgoing transfers where we think they might be headed. Uh, I'll knock out the, um, knock out the first question. Um, I, I kind of feel like we mentioned it defensive line, um, improving, just getting more, maybe another edge rusher, maybe another big body that can play on the interior of the defensive line. Uh, and then for me, I would not mind seeing another, you know, there's a safety um, coming in. I, I had linebacker listed, but, uh, you know, they got a commitment from a, uh, another linebacker from Troy. So uh, that kind of takes it off the list for me. Uh, I think they've adequately addressed that position. Uh, so safety and then defensive line. Um, and then where do we think the remaining transfers are going to go? The outgoing ones, I've, no idea. The second part of that question was, are they going to have scholarships? Not at IU, they're not. That's um, a that's a yeah, risk you, that they, they yep. take going into when the When you portal. enter the portal, uh, you forfeit your right to a scholarship. The school that you are transferring from can take you back, as we've seen with a couple of guys here. Uh, they don't have to. You know, you forfeit that roster spot and that right to a scholarship. Uh, when you enter the transfer portal, um, I'm not even sure who all we're talking about here. I think Jalen Lucas uh, trending towards Penn State, it seems like. Uh, it, it seemed like Louisville was the choice, but they've gotten some other additions. And um, it, it, Penn State is currently projected as, as his destination for whatever that's with worth. Tom, with Tom Allen there, it makes sense. Yep. His, his market... Um, has not been what he thought it was going to be. Nope. Um, I mean, no we could further, have told you that. No that, further that's, comment there. I suppose, yeah, that's but. a discussion uh, for another podcast, yeah. TJ, is, uh, you know, the, the danger of entering the portal, who you're listening yeah. to, and, yeah. and things like that. Um, Being a honest like, about your value. Yeah, because if Jalen Lucas had went into the portal after the 2022 season, his value is probably at its highest. And, you know, he came back to IU. They tried oh. to make him a feature part of the offense. And he, he just – he showed that he might just be a really, really good kick returner. Yeah, a man um, without a, an offensive position. Yeah, um, which he's, – He's just not – he needs to be a slot receiver. And he's not He's not a good route runner. And he, he doesn't really catch the ball that well. Yeah. So I, so, I thought he yeah. lost his value there in terms of, you know – he's a kick returner and you could, you could find fast guys who could return kicks for a lot cheaper than he was probably looking for. Yeah. Uh, who else we got a cam camper. Um, of course, injuries are the primary, um, primary thing holding back probably interest level on him. Yep. Uh, no clue what, uh, what his market looks like. I don't have an, any idea. Uh, Jordan Greer, I think is still, out there is that Memphis, accurate? Memphis. no Memphis okay yes yeah, so I, I there's not a whole lot left um outgoing wise that are still out there looking for spots still if if we're talking about Jalen Lucas and Cam Camper will they have scholarships 
Probably. Yes. Yes. Like Jalen Lucas is going to have a scholarship at a power five conference program. Um, Cam Camper. I don't know if it'll be power five level. I, I don't know um, if, if he was, if he can prove to coaches that he's currently healthy or will be healthy by the time the season starts, I would think that a group of five conference team would look at what he could potentially do and, you know, use a spot on him, um, give him a scholarship. I certainly yeah, hope he's so. He's a, a low risk, high reward uh, type, yeah. type of guy. You know, you start talking about things like it's free agency signings, and that's essentially what it has become. Yeah. But Camp Camper is like that pitcher who, you know, has shown flashes of being really good, suffered an arm injury or two, and you just take a flyer on him and hope he gets back to form because he's yeah. really, really good when he's playing well. And he throws like 80 innings a year. Yeah. 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 Hopefully, I mean, look, I, I really hope that – it works out for Jalen Lucas, for Cam Camper, for, you know, everybody. I mean, we, we have no reason to root against them. Um, but I, I think for the most part, and I'm not saying this across the board, but for the most part, I think that Kurt Signetti and his staff got the guys back from the portal that they wanted. Um, and they're bringing in guys that they feel more comfortable with uh, to improve the roster moving forward. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I, I'm not aware of any other questions if, if you are, but that was an awesome hour. I hope people, uh, hope people enjoyed it. Yeah. It was great talking IU football, getting to interact with, with the fans. I know four o'clock on a Friday is not the ideal time to do a live show, but we've had some good interactions on the, the podcast and the chat. So uh, thank you all for joining us um, and, and things like that. Yeah. So, we'll certainly do it again for spring ball or something like that, you know, pre-spring or post-spring, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And you could always catch a replay of the podcast on, um, you know, Spotify, Apple podcasts, Amazon. I, I learned that you could listen to us on Amazon this week too. Uh, so, you know, hit the like button. I uh, appreciate the comments and, and things like that. So a lot to be excited about IU football uh, going into uh, spring practice, <laughs> not really an off season anymore with all these transfer portal uh, announcements and things like that. There could be more coming up in the next uh, couple of days, uh, but we, we will see, and we'll be back. Um, We'll be back before you know it with spring football previews and things like that. You can follow us on Twitter at Hoosier underscore huddle and uh, keep coming back to HoosierHuddle.com. Thank you, TJ. All right. Thanks, everybody. We appreciate it. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.